chapter 10 from 25 onwards. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? I want to go back to verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is it written in the law? What is your reading of it? Jesus Christ is ministering God in flesh, and he is living among the people, God in flesh. While he is ministering to the people there during his lifetime, you see a lawyer, an educated man, a man who was considered a smart man in his society. He tries to come, he tries to show his smartness to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ saw him. He is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom himself. Standing in front of this man. With all humility, Jesus Christ talks to him. It is very important for us to learn from Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, Look, I am meek and lowly. Learn of me. Jesus is meek and lowly. Jesus is everything opposite to pride. Satan stands for pride. He says, I know everything. Who are you to ask me? And I know how to talk. And you can't tell me what to do. And that's Lucifer. But Jesus Christ is meek and lowly. And he said, learn of me. If you want to learn how to be like Jesus, we need to really carefully look into his life, look at him and see how he talked, how he behaved, how he walked, how he interacted with people. How was Jesus meek and lowly? This lawyer came to Jesus Christ with a bad motive. He came to Jesus to test him and he is putting a question before Jesus Christ. As if he's very smart. He wanted to stump Jesus and he's bringing this question to him to test him. Jesus Christ, who knows the motives and the thoughts of the people, he's answering him. He could have just ignored him. He could have just said, What? Well, you're coming to test me? I know your thought life. I know what you're thinking and you're coming to test me. And I don't. He could have just exposed everything. He could have just just pulled out his secret life there. He could have just pulled out everything about him there. But he did not do that. Though he had the power to do that. Though he could have done that. He did not do that. You know why? Because Jesus said this. I came to seek and save that which was lost. So even those who came, who came to Jesus Christ. Hoping to trip him up. Jesus said, you know what, I'll give you a chance to. I'll give you a chance to. But, he didn't answer everything that he was asking him. He used divine wisdom. Jesus 
being wisdom himself, asked, he asked the question to this lawyer. He's coming in asking, the lawyer came and asked Jesus a question and Jesus is asking him a question. So what is the lawyer's question? The lawyer's question was, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now when you look at the lawyer, his tone was fine. The way he asked sounded very respectful. And his question looked like he was very sincere. But his motive was wrong. He posed himself to be a sincere seeker when he was not. His motive was to test Jesus Christ. You know many people are like that. They will have something in their minds. They'll come to God's servants and they'll say, We really, really, really want to know God's will. Meanwhile, they have their own agenda. They said, we want to know God's will. But when God's will comes, they will not want that. That's one category. That's like the rich young ruler. Then there's another category of people who will come to God's servants and they'll say, I really, 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 really want to know the truth. But you know what? The whole thing is I need to get something from your mouth so when something happens, I can blame you to trip up God's servants. Then there are some of the people who will come and they'll say, Oh, I really, 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 really want to know God's will. Why? Because they're just curious. They want to see what your opinion is. It's not about whether it's God's will or not. This is my opinion. I want to know what your opinion is. Lots of different types of people, you see. But then there are some sincere people who really want to know the will of God. And they will come and eagerly ask so that they know the mind of God and do it. Then there are other group of people who don't care. Why should I find out the will of God when I know what God's will is? Right. So, different types of people are out there. We just have to see where we fit in. What kind of a group am I in? Am I in the group that doesn't care whether it's God's will or not? Or am I in the group that says that I know it all? Or am I in the group that says that I want to pretend like I want to know the will of God, but I'm not going to follow it anyway. I just want to show myself as if I'm spiritual. Or are we in the group of people where they'll say, I've already determined in my mind this is the way I'm going to go. I'm going to take left. But I'm going to go and ask the pastor, should I take right or left? When the pastor says right, then I'll say, okay, thank you so much, and I'll go and do the opposite. And there are times when the Spirit of the Lord, when He sees it, God is the God of wisdom. He will leave the choice to the person itself because He knows that they are going to do what they want to do. But where do we fall? Are we really looking for God's input? Are we really looking for God to lead us? Are we really looking to know the mind of Christ truly so that we can truly follow His ways? Or... Just we want to satisfy our curiosity, so we want to go to God and ask Him, Well, Lord, what do you think about this situation? Shall I do this or not? And when God says, I don't want to do that, or I just ask Him, and then when I don't get the reply fast enough, according to my time frame, then I don't wait, I just get up and go. Where do we fall? Are we people who say, Until God speaks, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to 
do my own thing, but I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait until I hear from Him. This man's motive was bad. He came to Jesus just to test Him. Everything looked like it's very, very good. His statement, if you just take the statement by itself without the previous portion of the scripture, you'll think that, oh, what a eager man. And it comes to knowing about eternal life. But did he really care about it? That's what Jesus said to him. Look, what is it written in the Bible? You tell me. What have you read so far? You tell me. So he answered and said, because he's the man who knows the word. He answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He was a man who knew how to give the word of God. He knew how to speak it. He knew how to show how much he knew. So he had the talk, he had the appearance. But his heart was not in the right place. We can be like that. It's a very dangerous place to be in. You can have the form of godliness but not have God in it. Very dangerous place. This man talked the right words, asked the right question, but had a very bad heart. His heart was not right. And so Jesus said this, And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. I love Jesus very much. You know why? He doesn't play games. When you ask him, Lord, what is this? He will tell you exactly what that is. You go to Jesus Christ looking for answers. He will give you the right answer. Even to this guy who came to trip him up, who came to put a snare before Jesus Christ. Jesus, by giving the truth, broke that snare. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he's giving this man the answer. You know why? Because he saw his heart. This man was not a doer of the word. He read the word. He taught the word. He spoke the word. But he didn't live the word. God is speaking to our hearts today. We can be people full of information. Oh, I know the Bible. Oh, Genesis, I know. Wow, Exodus, I know. Well, Leviticus, I know. That's a difficult book. Oh, I know everything. What else do you know? What do you not know? Oh, I know everything. Revelation, I know. Jude, I know. But when it comes to being a doer of the word, are you being a doer of the word? Ask the question here. That's what Jesus asked him. What do you know from the word? What have you read? He gave the right answer. See? This man asked the right question. Gave the right answer. But was not a practicing Jew. He was not a man who didn't know the word. He was not a man who did not care to read the word. He did all of that. But the most important part was missing, which was doing the word. See, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Right? 
But is it an automatic thing? Is it something that happens automatically without your involvement? No. So you can read the word, but you can be someone who never does the word because your part was missing. I need to do what I should do. So Jesus said so beautifully here, verse 28, and he said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. So this man's question was about eternal life. What is eternal life? Living forever and ever and ever. You have eternal death and eternal life. So he's asking, Lord, how can I really live forever? Jesus gave the answer. He said, well, you know what the answer is. The only thing is you're not doing this. So he said, do this and you will live. Just do this and you will live. He gave the answer. Oh, that answer really touched the ego of that man on the inside. He did not like that answer. Why? Why? Because Jesus' answer implies that he was not a doer of the word. He was a man full of pride. Because he had a lot of knowledge. But he was not living it out. But Jesus wanted to help him still. Even though he came to trip Jesus up. Jesus still wanted to help him. So Jesus said, I will show you the way. Even if you came to me with the wrong word, I will still show you the way. Sometimes you wonder, right? Why? When tricky people come, when people are evil, and they try to act nice, and try to come and talk to you, and try to ask questions about Jesus. Why is God still giving the answer? Because God says, so you will never say one day, Lord, you didn't give me a chance. I came and I asked you. See? God wants everyone to get saved. That's the love of Christ. So even to this man, who tried to put a snare for Jesus, Jesus showed him the way. He said, look, you want to live? This is what you should do. Your answer is right, but I don't see you living this way. So he said, you've answered rightly. How gentle our God is, even to this proud man. Jesus said this. He gave an encouragement and then he gave the solution. He said, you answered it right. Your answer is right. You have all the right answers. But you know what? You're not doing it. So do this and you will live. We need to learn how to communicate by reading the Word of God. How was Jesus speaking? How was the Son of God speaking? With grace in His mouth. With grace in His mouth. He saw this man. He saw that he came to test Jesus Christ. In spite of that, he asked him a question to provoke his thought to get the right answer and he used the right answer to give him the solution to say you're right son but you need to be doing it and you will live he did not go and bash him he didn't say well you answered everything right but look at you you hypocrite and look at you you didn't do anything right and you have not been living a right he could have Jesus had every right to do that Jesus he's a righteous judge he had the right to stand there and condemn him right there but you know what for this man this was the first chance he came to Jesus. I mean, if somebody would have repeatedly 
have done this with Jesus then he would have done right there what he did to the Pharisees and Sadducees in many chapters in the book of John but there's the first time the guy is coming and Jesus to this man he gave the truth God gives an opportunity for every person even to someone who comes in a deceptive way so if you think if somebody is a deceptive person why will God still show mercy because God gives chances to people hoping that somehow they will change hoping his love will lead them to repentance hoping that they will turn to God when he shows the way some take it some don't so this man after Jesus giving him the answer he has a he has a question he wanted an answer he got the answer now he should have just gone home right saying thank you Jesus you gave me the answer I will do this you told me if I do this you will live that should have been the right attitude but for this man he was full of pride he wanted to come and show off and he wanted to put Jesus down and it didn't happen now he feels like wow Jesus actually told me that I'm not doing it I've not been obeying the word so I need to come up with another statement now Jesus never pointed finger at him. He never said that, well, you didn't do this, no. He said, go do this and you will live. But you know, because he was so full of pride, he took it the other way because he never wanted the actual truth because he knew that I, knew, I know the answer already. A man full of himself wanted to somehow put Jesus down couldn't do that but Jesus in spite of this man's behavior he showed love and he spoke in a loving manner and he said just do this you answered rightly do this and you will live verse 29 shows how proud he was but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus and who is my neighbor who is my neighbor so he didn't want to look like he wasn't doing the word so now he's asking another question because he wanted to look good in front of people how many times have you done that when you know that there's something missing and you're being told that this is wrong or you're missing this instead of taking it with the right attitude, right spirit and saying, thank you Lord, or thank you to the person, you get upset. You want to cover it up with something else. It's not going to help you at all. If we really want to move forward, if we really want to learn from God, if we really want to grow, then humility is necessary because our stairway to God is humility. Humility is a stairway to heaven. If we don't have humility, we cannot climb up that ladder to go to heaven. And that ladder itself is humility. The more humble you become, the more taller you'll be able to climb up. The more humble you become, the more higher you will go in that ladder. The more proud you become, the lower you'll go. 
that's the spiritual decline. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Don't try to justify yourself when you when God shows you the way of life. Don't try to justify yourself and try to prove yourself right when the Lord is trying to show you something so that you can get better in your spiritual life. When God can heal you. When God wants to sanctify you. When God wants to draw you closer to Himself. Don't try to justify yourself. Justifying yourself is only going to take you downwards, on a downward spiral, never upwards. But the more you humble yourself, the more you're going to be going upwards, because that's the ladder. Humility is a ladder to heaven. The more you humble yourself, the more stairs you will climb. The more pride is manifested, the deeper you will go to the depths of hell. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Jesus said this. He said, okay, you want to justify yourself. Let me do something. And Jesus Christ is taking another step forward. And he says, verse 30, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. You see that Jesus is not asking any more questions with this man after that because he saw, okay, you're a man who justifies self and you are not going to open up yourself to receive the truth. So I'm going to tell you a story. So he says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took uh, two denarii gave them to the innkeeper and said to him take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again I will repay you so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves Jesus Christ so beautifully he speaks over here he tells him a story and then he brings this man down to who is your neighbor? He asked him. The man asked Jesus, Lord, who is my neighbor? And Jesus is looking at him and asking, Who is the neighbor here in this story? How smart God is, because He is wisdom Himself. When someone thinks that they can come to God and try to outsmart Him, they are really foolish. Jesus Christ with such patience. That's why the Bible says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is peaceable. It's full of peace. You don't see pride and arrogance in Jesus Christ's wisdom. Because it's pure. The wisdom that comes from God is pure and full of peace. 
So when that wisdom is manifested here to this man who is full of pride and arrogance, it just brings that man uh, to a place before Jesus Christ. Uh, he would stand in awe at him and say, Wow, I tried to trip this man up with my questions, but now he really cornered me with his question, Who is the neighbor here, and he said, the one who showed one who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Jesus Christ brought, brought him back to the first instruction he gave to him, which was how to inherit eternal life. Go and do the commandment of God, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Go do it. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to have eternal life, go, do that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He took him right back to that. You ask me, who's your neighbor? You tell me. And he said, you tried to justify when I told you, go and do it. Obey the word of God, be a doer of the word. He said, the answer comes the same way again. The same answer. Go and do likewise. Now it's even more clearer that this man did not show mercy. He didn't love his neighbor. He was not doing the word of God. He knew everything here, but there was nothing here. God is speaking to our hearts today during this fifth day of fasting and prayer. We've received much from God. It's time to really, really put it to practice, put it to use. God has invested much into our hands. When the Word of God goes into us, He expects that to grow and bring forth much fruit. We must be doers of the Word of God. When you think about what Jesus told this man, You must be a doer of the word. This is something that Jesus has said throughout his ministry. Even with the parable of the sower and the seed, the parable of the wise men and the foolish men. One thing is constant in his ministry where he says, You must keep the word. You must do the word. You must live the word. If we don't live out God's word, then it's no point. Why do we read the word? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That means when the word goes inside, it's our job to use the word to keep us from sinning. It is important. The word of God has been given to us as a sword, as a weapon against the enemy. We are called to fight. We are called to pick up the sword and fight. So the word of God has been given to us and we are supposed to be doers of the word of God. But if we don't do the word of God, then it's like a person who has the sword in, a sh- in, in the sheath and you have it hung in your house. Or you can even have it in your clothing as an armor but never put to use. You can be dead when the enemy fights against you. It is important to put your sword to use the word of God. This man knew a lot about the Word of God. 
but really didn't put it to use. Be a doer of the word of God and not a hearer only as it says in the book of James. The Lord Jesus says something very important here. Entering into eternal life is very important. That means going to heaven, living forever with Jesus there, and having eternal life here on earth. Living with Jesus Christ here on earth while we are alive cannot be done, cannot be obtained without keeping the word of God, without being a doer of the word. Which is, Loving God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. Putting God first. It's not that, okay, I just read my Bible first thing in the morning and that's about it. And the rest of the day I do my own thing. No. Whatever you do, make sure you have God there before you. I set the Lord always before me and therefore I shall not be moved, says David. If you don't want to be moved, you want to be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock then you must be a doer of the word. God has to be always before you. If you have God always before you, then you will not be moved. What does it mean? That means, I love God with all my heart, mind, soul and strength and He is forever before me. That means whatever I do, I know God is watching me. I do it out of love because He is watching me and we need to have that healthy fear because He is watching me. We need to have that. That's what faith is. Faith is knowing that He is there. I believe that He is there. If I really believe that He is there, then I will behave the way. But I believe that, oh, He is really there. So our talk will be different. Our walk will be different. Whatever we do will be different because we really believe that He is there. Do we really believe that God is watching all the time? Do we really believe that God is really there? Do you really believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him? Do you really believe? If we really believe, then our behavior will prove itself. According to our belief system, God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Don't be like this lawyer who said, I know everything. I know the word. I've heard so many preachings. You know, I know all these things. And I've read the Bible so many times. And I've you know, talked with other people or evangelized or I did this or that. But I've been living it out. Are you living out the word of God? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? And your first neighbor is your own family. Real love of God is 1 Corinthians 13. And that's the love that Good Samaritan here displayed. Jesus didn't say, well, you go and love. He didn't say that. He really showed what love is by telling the story. This is how you must love. How Good Samaritan, he left everything. He didn't think about his appointment. He didn't think about his money. He didn't think about his physical comfort. Where he could have rode on the donkey. Instead he got down and he had this man on it. He could have thought, well I could have used this money for something. I have to use this money on this stranger. For this hospital bill. And then I have to come and pay for him some more. Why can't he pay? Why he got robbed right now but... He should be able to pay still. He should make some payment arrangements with the innkeeper. No, no, no. He was a man who genuinely cared. He was not someone who said, I'll just do the bare minimum. No. 
He was someone who went above and beyond. He went above and beyond. That's why he said, take her, make sure you get involved. I'll come back and I'll pay the rest. That's First Corinthians 13, love. True love. That'll go above and beyond what's required. Very different from the Levite. Very different from the priest. Good Samaritan's love. You see, it's First Corinthians 13, love. Sacrificial love. As a result of that, Jesus says, Go, do just like this. Love your neighbor just like this. That means, sacrifice just like him. Do just like him. Don't be someone who would say, I want you to do the bare minimum. I'm just going to be comfortable. Oh, I'm just going to think about myself. Oh, my time, my schedule and... You know, if if I have a free time, then I will do it. If it conflicts with my schedule, then I'm not going to do it because, well, I have to go. I have an appointment. That's what God is talking about over here. Because there was a genuine need here, you see. It's not about people who are taking advantage. You go and just, you know, give everything to someone, you know, who's a thief. No, this man was beaten. He was left to die. There was a genuine need there. But seeing the genuine need, the priest said, well, it's not my problem. Somebody will come. Oh, God, send somebody. The Levite goes, oh, I can't touch him. It's untouchable. I, know I can't do that. He has blood on him. And, you know, very, very religious, you see. It's like how the Pharisees, when Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath, they said, oh, no, 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 no. You can't heal him on the Sabbath. Oh, Sabbath, you should be doing this. You're breaking the law. Very religious. It's a very religious Lucifer spirit. Which tries to use the law, use the word of God, to keep us from doing God's will. That's what Lucifer spirit will do. Legalism. Legalism is something that's not from God. It look like God, talk like God, but is not God. Traditions desires, systems, principles that are foreign to the kingdom of heaven. They'll come as wisdom. You know, we were, we were advised by many, 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 many leading so-called um, pastors to not serve God the way we are serving and we have served they said, oh, you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be, this is not going to have, you know, work like this. You shouldn't be doing like this. Cut down all the ministry. You, know, you shouldn't be serving people like this. You can't be sacrificing like this. That was a foreign voice. Not the voice of the Good Shepherd. Not the voice of the Good Shepherd. Very spiritual sounding. Very spiritual sounding. But it's not the voice of God. Levite sounded very spiritual. The priest sounded very spiritual. But they did not do the will of God. It's very important. At the heart of everything is compassion. The truth. Doing God's will. Being a reflection of the heart of God. To those 
who are dying, who are abandoned, who are lost. It can be someone in your own home. It can be someone in your own family. It can be someone in your own job. It could be someone in your own locality. It could be someone, someone right around you. You'll be seeing. Spiritually they are broken. Spiritually they are dying. These are not people who say, get away, get away, get away. These are people who are really calling out for help. These are people who are really broken. They may be at a point where they're beaten so badly that they don't even have a voice to call anymore, call out anymore. But you see, they're dying. What are you doing about those souls? The Good Samaritan did something. He said, I'm not a doctor, but I can do one thing. I can put him on the donkey and I can bring him to the inn. God help us to be like that. Bring them to the inn. Bring them to the house of God. Bring them to the presence of God. If you're far away, bring them to the morning call or bring them to the meetings. Bring them to where the Spirit of the Lord is working. Only the truth can set us free. Bring the people. See someone dying. Don't say, oh, next time. I got to rush now. I can't talk to them. When we don't care about ourselves, so to speak, not being a foolish way, but following the will of God, when God tells you to do something, God takes care of what belongs to us because He knows that we're doing the will of God. Don't think about your needs when it comes to the will of God. Find out from God. Lord, what do you want me to do? Ask Him. Now there are people who pretend that there are people who pretend, you know, we've seen, especially um, in India during New Year's time, there used to be people who, you know, New Year's time, we go for the New Year's service, right? So, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, early in the morning after service is over, we have traffic, people will drive, you know, back home from churches. There are some people, um, thieves, robbers, what they will do is, they have a woman or somebody lay on the road as if, you know, uh, they are in pain or they got hurt. And if you stop your vehicle and you try to go and help them, you're finished. They'll jump on you, they'll rob you, and you know, you become a casualty. So you have someone who is playing dead, someone who is playing wounded. And whoever goes to help, they'll get robbed during that time. But there are genuine people who get wounded as a result of what has happened with a lot of people, when someone sees someone fallen far away, immediately in their mind, you know what? Oh, no. They're going to beat me up and, and that's it. I cannot go and stop and help people because those are robbers. You see how human mind gets conditioned because of prior experiences or prior knowledge. When you hear things happen or when it actually happens to you. Really don't want to trust another person. 
You really don't want to do anything out of your way because you got burned once before or someone you know got burned before or you got burned a couple of times or you got burned many times. But this is where the Holy Spirit comes into play. If we walk in the Spirit, if we follow the voice of the Good Shepherd, God will show you exactly who is in need and who is playing dead. God will show you exactly where to spend time and where you should not spend time. God will show you exactly where you should spend your resources and where you should not spend your resources. God will show you. God will show you. That way, there's no waste of time. Now, with this man, Jesus spent his time, even though he came to trip him up, Jesus Christ, spent time with him, this guy, and he gave him the solution. Once he did this and the man got the solution now it's on him whether he's going to enter into eternal life or not by him doing what Jesus told him to do you don't see Jesus chasing after him after the no that's it one time God will lead us sometimes to help people who are tricky to give to people who are like this man who will try to trap you, trick you. But what will happen is, if God leads you to help such a person at that time, God will bless you for that. But to that person, if they don't make use of that and repent, but they take that and take you for a fool, and they try to harm you, what will happen is, whatever good you have done to that person will stand against them as the judgment. It will stand against that person as a judgment. Now, with, for this lawyer, the answer, the solution that Jesus gave him will stand against him as a judgment if he refuses to obey or he would have refused to obey. God is speaking to our hearts today. Be a doer of the word of God. Whatever you hear, don't become a historian. Don't become a person who just accumulates knowledge. Become a person who really lives out the word of God. When you love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And love your neighbor. That's how you would love yourself. And walk in the spirit of God. With God leading you. As to who you should help and who you should not. Who is real, who is in need and who is not in need, when you should and when you should not, then you would be fulfilling the will of God. You'll be doing what God wants you to do. As we close our eyes and look to the Lord at this hour, ask the Lord to help you. To do what Jesus told us lawyer to do which is to love God with all his heart, mind, soul and strength to love his neighbor if he would love himself that's how you get to heaven these two commandments are very important very important in these two sums up all the law and the prophets. Everything is in it. The loving God 
and loving people. That's how Jesus loves. You need discernment. You need the Spirit of God to lead you for that. Not to be led by the flesh. Not to be led by the devil who will influence the flesh. Don't go to people that you shouldn't. Who will be agents of Satan to drag you down to hell. You need to hear the voice of God. Those are the ones who will play dead to kill you. You need the Spirit of God to lead you to know who is really wounded and who is not. And when God tells you, leave Sodom. When God tells you, leave Egypt. Don't say, oh well, I I need to bring all the Sodomites to God, so I'm going to go. You will get burned. And God says, leave Egypt. I'm going to take you to Canaan. Don't say, oh well, I'm going to go evangelize Egypt. Because I want to love my neighbor as myself. You will be destroyed with the Egyptians. You will not enter into Canaan. The Bible says, the man who competes in a competition, if he does not compete according to the rules of the competition, he will not be crowned. You need to follow the word of God. And the Spirit of God will lead you into victory where you will receive the crown. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Father. Thank you, precious Father. God has to lead us. God has to show us. But we should be in a place ready to do anything for Jesus Christ. Loving God with all our hearts, mind, soul and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Thank you, Father. Ruth and Naomi, they left Moab and came to Israel. Only then they lived. Thank you, Father. The Holy Spirit will show you when you truly seek Him and truly have a heart for God. Truly love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Truly have a love for those who Jesus loves. Hallelujah. Not the enemies of God, but those whom Jesus loves. And God will show you who is really wounded, and who is in need, and who is playing dead, and who is trying to kill you, the thieves that are out there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Determined to know the Word and do the Word. Never be like this lawyer who spelled everything out rightly but didn't know what those spelling meant. Thank you, Jesus. We need to know the Word and we need to know the Spirit which is behind the Word. We need to be doers of the Word of God. Hallelujah. 
We need to know the Word and we need to know the Spirit of God who is behind the Word of God. We need to be doers of the Word of God. When you know the Word and when we know the Spirit of God who is behind this Word of God, what is His mind? What is He trying to say? Once you know that, you need to just do it. Be doer of the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for ministering to your people. I pray that you will continue to cover your people with your precious blood. I pray make your people, Lord, do as of your word. That they may never fall away. That each, O oh Lord, may stand before you one day, spotless, without blemish, without wrinkle. Oh, Father, bringing joy to the Heavenly Father. And with great joy standing before God to receive the crown from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you have spoken to us today. I pray that you bless our service tomorrow. The Spirit of the Living God, pour out your Spirit in our midst in a mighty way. Whatever you want to do tomorrow, Lord, I pray that you will do it. Have your way, have your way, have your way. Lord, we don't know anything. We can do nothing. Father, we depend upon you. We just want you to come. We just want you to visit us. We just want you to glorify Jesus Christ in our midst, O oh Father. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.